Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Fancy something different for tea? Get takeaway delivery now via Deliveroo and Uber Eats. Welcome to Football Social Daily, regular helpings of good old Premier League news, views and gossip. We're hearing today it could be a whole 18 months before we see football back into the full swing of things with full stadiums and fans and games and whatnot, but that doesn't mean there's any less to talk about off the pitch, which is exactly what we're going to be going through on today's podcast. On today's podcast, well, we've got Steve McNaughton. Hello, Steve. Good morning, Jim. You okay? All good, thanks. And we've got Adam Keyworth. Hello, Keezy. Hi, mate. You all right? Yeah, really good. So the big news today is all about Newcastle United, who could see the end of the Mike Ashley era. It could finally be over as a takeover edges closer. But with that money coming from the Saudi Arabian state, are fans now sacrificing morals for glory? We're also going to talk about the very one-sided feud between Graham Souness and Paul Pogba with the Scotsman's latest swipe at the Manchester United player. And Gary Neville has suggested that certain clubs should take a transfer embargo next summer as a result of their actions during the coronavirus crisis. I'll be asking if that is a good or even a fair call to be making. Plus, there's a few juicy transfer rumours going around on the back pages of the papers, including club exits for heroes from both of the clubs that our two pundits today are supporting. Stephen Adam, that's Liverpool and Manchester United, respectively. But before we get into any of that, I want to say thank you to you for continuing to listen to and to support Football Social Daily. And thank you for your reviews online as well, because we really appreciate those. If you've got a few minutes to leave a few words of niceness or funniness, whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, then you might get a shout out on the show as well. Just like Top Top 35, or aka James from Barnsley, who said in his review that he left on iTunes, top podcast, top hosts, and a good balance of jokes whilst keeping things relevant. Other podcasts get a bit lost, but these guys have it sorted. So the pressure is on today, guys. And there's plenty of room for jokes, because we're going to start off by talking about the joke of a club that is... 
Newcastle United. <laughs> wow. Wow, I can tell Marley's not on today. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Newcastle fans are going to have some mixed emotions at the moment because there is news of a potential takeover. It's creeping closer and they'll be buzzing about that, but they'll be gutted that they won't be able to take to the streets and celebrate the departure of Mike Ashley because of the lockdown scenario. We've been here before with Newcastle rumours. It seems like every transfer window, another one surfaces about a potential takeover. But Adam, does this one feel like it could be the real deal? It looks like it. Um, it looks like they're finally out of the misery, but it's such it's such a weird a weird situation for Newcastle fans. They've wanted this forever, um, or what seems like forever, since Mike Ashley's been there. Marley's mm. been banging on about this for, well, since day dot. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is the way they've wanted it to happen, um, with it being the Saudi state and, and all that goes with that. But it's just such a, a strange scenario for any football fan. You get thrown all this money. And then the other question is, will they be allowed to spend it mm. with with what else is going on with FFP and things like that? So it's a strange one. Yes, they'll be happy to see the back of Ashley, but will they be happy with who's coming in? Maybe. I think it's going to vary widely. You can already see on social media that the fans are split between, yeah, this is great, and oh, should we really be doing this? So they can't they can't really win, um, other than the fact that Ashley will no longer be their uh, dictator in chief. I mean, the situation currently is that a certain bit of paperwork has been submitted to Company's House, and the bit of paperwork that has been submitted is what usually precedes a company takeover. So it's that's kind of the the flag that's indicated the takeover might be about to happen. And for me. I mean, even the guys in charge of this takeover described Mike Ashley as volatile. And this is a this is a Middle Eastern state describing an individual as volatile. It's like pot, pot kettle black to a certain extent. But you never quite know with Mike Ashley. I'm not sure I'm going to quite believe it's going to happen until the sports direct hoarding is taken down from the stadium, Steve. Yeah, there's always that little bit of a chance that that may happen. But this feels like... like the real deal even though we've we've had plenty of false dawns in recent times and you know Amanda Stavely has stuck with it and she's been quite determined to get hold of the club for her clients I, I'm very conflicted on this I think that uh, I, in one hand I'm, I'm you know delighted for Newcastle fans that they'll be rid of Mike Ashley and the long suffering period will be over because the guy's never been fully committed to the football club as far as I'm concerned. I think he's he's not seriously invested in, in the club and in the, in the, the squad and, and, and back the manager properly the way he should do. And I think when the half-time players under him, I think they've been you know out of desperation, really. I mean, the most recent one I can think of is Joe Linton, who's, who's not really worked out and he was an awful lot of money. Um, I just think that the, the the guy that's coming in, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, is is a real piece of work. I think you know you've, you've got to be careful what you know they wish for, really, because this guy's track record is is far from great, you know, from a human rights point of view, and that's the big red flag for me. Um, and also, I'm quite interested in the structure of the deal as well, because you know he's um, he's borrowing 150 million allegedly off Mike Ashley that he's going to pay back in instalments. So. He's not actually using his own money to prop up the deal, so it's it's really murky. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that this will have the impact that the Man City deal had. Uh, you know, all them years back when when you know the club was purchased from uh, Thaksin Shinawatra. 
And um, it, which we'll is also re- Stavely was involved with that deal as well, which I didn't realise. Yeah, she me. was involved in that. Yeah, and um, you know she's been involved in because you know this uh, Prince Mohammed bin Salman has has had an interest in in Manchester United in more recent times, and you know he's famously you know had a little nibble on Liverpool as well, whereas you know he couldn't really prove his funds to either that that he had them and. But like in typical Newcastle fashion, it's going to be a watch this space, isn't it? And see what happens. Let's get the popcorn out and, you know, and, and hope that everything pans out the way that them fans deserve, really. I think that's a really good point there, that this deal on the surface, it's the richest man in the world, give or take anyone else that's knocking about. But he's not actually funding the deal himself. That That's screaming. There's something a little bit funny about this. And then Amanda Staveley's actually going to, part own some of the club yeah 10% she's going to have an active role in running the club which, as well, I, I which I can't get my head around sure surely she's just the, the kind of the the middle player in all this game yeah the where, broker but why has she now got an investment in the club that's the other thing I can't understand and isn't there somebody else who has an investment so it's something like 70 odd percent yeah just really... just two brothers that are property uh, David and Simon Rubin who are, who are billionaires to be fair and they've got a stake in but it that's as well. what I can't work out if this is the richest man in the world and he's buying a club for 300 million which to him is a drop in the ocean why isn't he propping this club up uh, that's that's one of the issues then obviously you go on to um, the the true owner's actual background and obviously from a city point of view here it's it's difficult to start playing the the moral high ground on on ownership with some of the things that our owner's been involved in. I mean, that, I, just, I think there's obvious comparisons between that will be drawn are. between yeah. Manchester City and Newcastle here. But potentially, the other th- the other thing is they are two very different states. Yeah. In terms of how how they run, obviously there's there's still very huge um, moral issues in the city owners state. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what their relationship's like, because we know of all the politics that goes on over there um, between potential Newcastle owner and City owner. The the one thing that you can't really draw parallels with, and it's it's one of the, the great things that happened with City's takeover, is they properly invest in the club, City's owners, and not mm. just in the club, but in the city. They've they've built X amount of homes. They've put thousands of people's, people in jobs. They've done incredible things for Manchester, which shouldn't be overlooked, and that's something that if this Newcastle deal goes ahead, that's something that they should be looking at and trying to do the same with in Newcastle. It's it's an owner with just endless amounts of money and there's a way that they can use that. They're never going to be able to cover up and sports wash, as many people have put it, the bad things that happen in their country, but they can make a difference to ours. So mm. that's the balance that needs to be struck. But it is going to split Newcastle fans. There's some who are vocally... Uh, said all along, yeah, we want a takeover, but we don't want anything like cities. So it's going to be interesting watch people climb down from that that high castle. So it's murky. It's it's very very murky. It's a kind of situation that a lot of football fans are going to find themselves in over the next probably decade or so, though, isn't it? That they do have this moral high ground of well, we don't want that dirty money coming from whatever country it is because it's morally corrupt. But then when that happens to your football club, suddenly it's a very different scenario because it's much easier to turn a blind eye to that kind of thing when you have the potential of a big shiny pot ending up in your cabinet. Yeah, it is a tough one, but the Man City situation uh, feels very different to, to this 
on, on you know in, on my first impressions I think that um you know man when the, the the team took over man city you know they put really did put a line in the sand at that point and said you know this is going to be a completely different man city you know the area um you know around the, you know the the etihad and the, well the commonwealth stadium and you know was good had the massive investment from from you know day one really um and they're still invested in it mm. now you know there's obviously plans to put a huge arena you know next to next to the area isn't there and I just don't sense that this is ha going to happen with Newcastle. I just think that it's going to be right. Okay, let's kind of get in here. Let's kind of splash a bit of cash. Let's get Jose Mourinho in. He's probably put his pad on right move as we speak. <laughs> uh, you know, and um, it, it'll be a case of you know let's let's try and get up the league. And you know, obviously we we've got we've all got fan friends who are, are Newcastle fans, and I, and I wish nothing but success because they're a sleeping giant of a football club. You know, one team, one city. They're getting fifty thousand people a week in, and you know I, I wish them nothing but success. But the, the whole thing just doesn't sit right, and I know it's got to be ratified by the Premier League because they've yeah. got to do the, the fit and proper person's test. And I think they'll be having a good look at the finances on the deal, and which I think pretty much involves asking the person, "Are you fit and proper?" And they go, "Yeah," and they go, <laughs> yeah. "Right, fine." The football club. Yeah. It's not the most stringent yeah. a test. I think. I think the the other thing is is about timing. This timing feels off. Um, to me, Mike Ashley's been hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. The club's value is depreciated because of what's going on in the world. Mm. Um, and now is he's selling. The thing with the City deal was, it was with the transfer window, they came in, they made a, a signing and everything changed. The, the landscape's very different now where you can't just come in and spend money. It, you just can't do it because mm. we've seen what's, what's happening with City at the minute. Uh, from years back, when when that's what City were doing, you've got to you've got to be prepared to come in and make huge losses as Newcastle owner. And the fact that he's not propping this up with his own cash allegedly doesn't inspire me with confidence that he's going to come in and go right in summer. You can spend four hundred million quid. We'll deal with the consequences later. If I feel like that's driven out of Mike Ashley though in this scenario, because as you said, I mean, forty million pound has been wiped off this deal in three weeks because of what's going on yeah. with the wider global picture right now. Yeah. And Mike Ashley has other interests outside of Newcastle, obviously, that are going to have taken a hit. Obviously, Sports Direct has closed down, so he's going to be looking at his personal finances, going well, I've got a buyer now. Now is the time to take advantage. So in a way, the investment fund have got him over a barrel. Yeah. And they they can command that he takes this money, this 300, 300 million pound in instalments rather than a lump cash sum at the beginning. Yeah, it it just just feels odd. The, the whole thing that Newcastle fans want to see is a new team, new players, shiny new players, and then hopefully to win a trophy, which they haven't done since the dawn mm. of time now. <laughs> um, but it's not going to be that simple. No, nobody's catching City and Liverpool in one, two seasons. It's going to take. Well, let's look at the positive slightly. Then, in that okay. case, let's put the kind of dodgy finances behind us for a second. Uh, but Newcastle fans will be optimistic about this. Supposedly, there is a lump sum of investment that will be put into player purchases should the takeover go through. They've got passionate fans, as you said, Steve. It's a one-club city. They've got a an impressive stadium. It's maybe not as impressive as it might have been comparably 10 years ago, but it's still an impressive stadium. What what can Newcastle become from here? Can they compete for the Premier League in, say, two years' time? I wouldn't have thought so. I think what, what the objective will be for, for Newcastle will be to try and get into the Europa League uh, You know, in, in the short term because... 
you know, they've got a consolidate. They're, they're a giant football club. You know, they should be sixth, seventh, eighth in the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, and I think with the right right manager in there and the right signings made, there's no reason why they can't do that. I think the catching of Man City and, and, and Liverpool is, is probably maybe five five years down the line, six years down the line, if things go their way. But, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if this guy actually sticks around that long. And um, we'll, we'll watch it with very, very keen interest um, because, mm. you know, it's... If Newcastle do become a challenger again, and you know, and they get into the European places because they've had some great European nights up at St James's Park, you know, the Barcelona game, which which they won, you know, when Bobby Robson was uh, had that team comes into mind, and you know, we wish nothing but success for them, but we want Newcastle to have the right owners and the right infrastructure and the right finances in place as well, you know, to to do it legitimately. Yeah, good good luck to them, really, but it it's a weird one. I think if this was ten years ago. I think uh, Newcastle would. I, I would be much more optimistic for for the outcome of this for Newcastle. A time where you could spend ridiculous amounts of money on as many players as you wanted without anyone batting an eyelid, really, which City got away with doing. Now is very different, and it's going to take. And the the level that City and Liverpool are on compared to the rest of the Premier League is is light years away from this Newcastle squad. They're going to need years to get there and it's going to take patience and investment and it's whether the new owner's going to do it. I mean, they should. Newcastle fans should be really happy that Ashley's gone. He's dragged that club down and just beat them with, a, with everything he's got because he bought that club for, what, £150 million, something like that, and he's, he's making a £200 million profit on it, having done absolutely nothing with the football club. So he's getting out of it scot-free. But it's it's just going to be very odd to watch, like like you've both said it. It's an interesting one to watch from a neutral point of view and just to see how things go. And this is also the, the same consortium and state that tried buying United for three billion quid and now they're haggling over 300 million. So the, the other thing is, what, what do they want? The owners are going to have to come out and say, here's what we want from this. Do we want just to have a nice little plaything in Newcastle that we can make our own? Or do you want to do what City's owners have done and say, right, this is our our huge investment now where mm. we're going to... They've spent like £3 billion in, in Manchester alone. So good luck to them. And uh, I'm sure Marley will be happy for 10 minutes until he listens <laughs> to this. So. Fair play. I've got to say, though, I think the in terms of going, well, we only want morally upstanding individuals taking over football clubs in the Premier League. I think the genie is well out of the bottle on that one, whether it's Middle Eastern states or dodgy oil money or workers' employment rights, whatever it is, I think the money coming into football for a long time has been far from sparkling clean. So I just sort of think that's that's why my team are quite fortunate. You know, we've we've got decent owners who have made the money out yeah. of, of, of sports teams and, you know, the, the model that they use. Um, but like you say, Jim, the few and far between these days. You mentioned, Adam, that they might have problems spending that money on new players. Well, that's definitely going to be the case if... Gary Neville's suggestions are taken on board. So Gary Neville has said that any club that is taking drastic financial action concerning its employees during the coronavirus crisis should face restrictions on transfers in the next window. Here's the direct quote from Neville. He says, if you are having a 30% pay cut across the board and you're talking about spending a billion on players, 
you may have to put an embargo in place. It's very difficult for players to see a transfer for £200 million a few weeks later. Essentially, what he's saying is if you use something like the furlough scheme, for example, that sees taxpayers sub 80% of workers' wages, then you shouldn't go out and spend a shed load of money in the summer on brand new players. Incidentally, I think the only Premier League club that is still planning on taking advantage of furlough is, in fact, Newcastle United, because the others have backed down in recent weeks. But do you I mean he's kind of making a fair point, isn't he, Neville, about the morals of this, that you shouldn't spend a load of money on a transfer if you're saying that just weeks before you can't afford to play, pay your non-playing staff. He, he's he's spot on again, and it's it's becoming a recurring theme anywhere. I mean, I mean, he might not be spot on in in the exact idea about the embargo and whatever, but Neville has come through this in incredibly well mm. in what he's done personally and and some of the things he stood for, um, football-wise as well. It's spot on to the point where. You can't take the advantage, basically, of, of taxpayer money, um, which, in some regards, is a drop in the ocean for these football clubs. I'm not having that you're having to furlough your staff to save your football club, and if you are, you have to look at your finances in severe, in a severe way. If you can then go and afford to pay thirty million quid for a player, having put all your non-playing staff on furlough, that just shouldn't be allowed. I think after this football clubs are going to have to look at themselves financially anyway because you you heard from Burnley last week saying oh we might go bust in August mm. because of this how are Premier League clubs going to go bust at, at this point what what are the actual finances that are going on behind the scenes because this is getting to a real crazy point where like, like Neville said if you can go and spend 200 million pounds on a football player but you can't play pay your cleaning staff for two months where where do you draw the line? I I don't I don't quite understand the not just the uh, the ethics behind it, but the actual finances behind it. It makes absolutely no sense. I think it's it's a difficult one to judge this one because I think Gary Neville is right from a moral point of view, yeah. and it does leave a bad taste in the mouth when you're saying to Linda, who does accounts, sorry, you can't have your thirty grand a year. We can only pay you 20 grand a year and that's coming straight from the taxpayer and then you spend a load of money on players that does leave a bad taste but I'm not sure whose fight that is to have I I don't think it's the Premier League's fight to have at this stage I don't think it's the UEFA's I think it's probably the fans who can decide where they stand on this I think it's probably the player the staff it's already in question to decide if they want to find a job elsewhere if they're going to be treated like this rather than some kind of big rule from the FA going right you're banned from making transfers. I just think, yeah. it, for me personally, I, I agree with, with what Adam's just said. I just think that it, it's, a, it's a poor look from Premier League teams. Now, if you're, um, just digressing slightly on it, if you're in League One, say if you're, if you're Sunderland, for example, and the Newcastle fans won't like this, but I've recently watched the Sunderland Till I Die uh, docu- you know, documentary series on Netflix. Now, the money that that club is losing in, in League One is quite scurry. And um, so for someone like them to go, actually, we might have to take advantage of the furlough scheme. I kind of get that. 
but when you're a Premier League club and you've got these, you know, humongous kit deals in place, you've got these massive shirt sponsorship and sleeve sponsorship, and you've got all this TV money coming in, and you've got websites that are live and still selling, you know, kits and clothing, and you've got TV channels that people are still subscribing to. I just don't think they should be using the scheme at all. They should not be going to the government and using taxpayers' money to to you know pay non non. But would you staff. physically stop? teams that have taken advantage of that whether it's a reduction in their non-playing staff's wages whether it is taking advantage of the furlough scheme would you physically stop them then investing in players i would probably get in touch with the club if I, if I was at the powers that be and just say listen you know i'd ask for some clarity around their finances that and what made them go into the furlough scheme in the first place if, if they are that close to the breadline i mean I, I, that's the first i've heard about burnley you know and the potential for august and that that is quite worrying um but I just think that I agree. They cannot go in and say, right, you know, if, if you look on Sky Sports or caught offside today, you know, and you see someone linked with a £50 million move for a Bundesliga striker or something like that, you, you just cannot do it morally. Mm. And, and it's a bad look as well. And it's a massive slap in the face for those staff that have been placed on furlough and that have lost 20% of their income for one, two, three months, whatever it is. And I think that... He's right, but I just think that the the transfer embargo, like we said, would be very difficult to enforce on it. I think it's more a moral question. Jim, I think I think you're right as well in terms of the fans. I think we've seen it from Liverpool and from Spurs where the club's made the wrong decision, but the fans and everyone else have kind of pressed them into making the right one. Mm. It, at this point, the fans are holding a lot of the cards when football doesn't eventually return to stadiums with fans. There's going to be a lot of fans who just don't go back. Because football just isn't football isn't doing well in all of this. It it's it's bad luck after bad luck with with what clubs are doing, and it it is more the clubs at this point. The the Premier League and the FA and the EFL can't really do much, like you say. They can't say right, you have to do this, you have to do that. It's a government thing. It's not it's not an association thing. These clubs are businesses at the end of the day, and if the government are offering these things, it's a moral decisions say we're going to take this or we're not going to take this and luckily most of the clubs have said right we'd rather do it our own way and we've seen from the players doing it their own way where instead of taking pay cuts which are going to affect all the tax and we talked about this last week they're actually saying right we'll donate some to charity but it's really really important now for clubs for players we talked about that with Walker and players like that last week clubs and players have a almost a huge period of time here for their PR. They need to get this right because when this is all over, people will look back and say, yeah, but remember when uh, Spurs furloughed all the staff? It's it's not going to help them in the long run and that's all that clubs and players have got at the moment. They've got their, their image and if, if your image is bad, then it's not ideal, is it? Mm. Well, you look at, look at, you know, we talked about Newcastle at length and that's a club that do have a bad image because of Mike Ashley. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and you're absolutely right. You, you have got to kind of manage that. You've got to crisis manage the PR side of it in a situation like this. And you've got to come out of it with, with some dignity, I think. And, um, you know, Newcastle aren't the only only team that, that went down that route. My team did and Bournemouth, Tottenham, um, you know, did it as well. And... Um, I, I, I was actually disgusted with it, you know, in all honesty. I think, you know, it's uh, I was really let down by my club in particular and I did put that on my on my Twitter. Bournemouth are the latest team have performed a U-turn on this, by the way, as well. So Bournemouth, who did announce they were going to be taking advantage of the furlough scheme, they've now changed their minds largely again. 
due to fan pressure. So fans do have a part to play in this whole scenario. Very quickly before we move on, on the current finances of football, I have heard some rumours that most Premier League clubs, this is with exception of the few that have big financial backing, so City, United, Everton, Sheffield United as well, with the exception of those clubs, most Premier League clubs are now considering any options or any offers for their players because of the financial situation they find themselves in. And this is not just, like I say, it's not just the the Burnleys of this world. This is anything below the top six. So what we're likely to see at the end of this scenario, A, there's going to be some bargains to be had in the league for the bigger clubs. The wealthier clubs they are going to be able to pick up some real bonuses in the transfer market. But it's going to mean that that gap between the top four or top six and the rest of the league is going to get even bigger. I've, I've looked at that as well. And I think what some of the top clubs are going to do is almost come up with a truce where they say, right, let's let's all behave here. We're not going to touch each other's players because okay. at this point we can't. And that's the sensible way of doing it. I think that's the other thing at the minute. And again, it comes down to image. Don't do it. If, if City, Liverpool, United, Chelsea, Arsenal start rummaging through all the other clubs and wiping out all the players, they've got nothing. The, the clubs will have nothing. If they start picking up... The, I don't like saying smaller clubs, but you know what I'm getting at. If you go through mm. their players, and there's like Ryan Fraser at Bournemouth. Bournemouth are in trouble financially with all what's going on. If if Arsenal went in and said, we would have paid you 20 million, but your club's in trouble, there's 5 million, we'll have him. They lose a massive asset, and they're going to need the assets when they come out of this because they've, they've got nothing else. When we come out of this, they're not going to get gate receipts. All they're going to be yeah. getting is broadcasting money. So you you've got to hope that the Premier League clubs are going to say, right, let's say in the next transfer window, nobody touches anyone and we go elsewhere overseas if we need to. It'd be very easy to get caught in a spiral, oh, wouldn't God, it, yeah. and do a Leeds United and before you know it, you're in League Two. Yeah, and there's club, clubs like your West Ham, Jim, that yeah. they're the kind of teams that would suffer because people will come in and say, oh, I really like uh, Four Nals or whoever it might be. But I don't think anyone would say no, that. I, don't think I get your was. point. <laughs> I was trying to think of a player at West Ham when I was struggling. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, it's Felipe Anderson. For Felipe, he's, he's a decent one. Um, it's Yeah, it's going to get really messy if that happens. Right, we're going to move on now. We're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and talk about one of the big beefs in football right now. It's Paul Pogba versus Graham Souness, although it's a little bit of a one-sided beef. We'll do that and we'll do some transfer rumours as well next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Get it delivered to your door via Deliveroo or Uber Eats. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It's the Titanic Battle of the Ages in the red corner. It's Paul the Haircut Pogba and in the other red corner, it's Graham Bitter Footballing Monotron Soonus and it is round one. Right, let's talk Paul Pogba versus Graham Soonus. It's been rumbling on for a long time now. It's been pretty much a one-sided battle with Soonus constantly slagging off Pogba for his attitude and his haircut and his money and pretty much anything else he can think of. Finally, the Manchester United midfielder has had his say. It was on the official Manchester United podcast and Pogba was asked what he made of Graham Souness's constant criticism and his reply was pretty much him going, never heard of him, mate, but not in quite so many words. He was very quick, he was very dismissive and the message essentially that Pogba gave was, I just want to focus on the football. 
That hasn't stopped Sunus in wading back in with his reply. But firstly, on Pogba, it's been described by Jamie Carragher that his reaction, his statement, which he didn't say, I've, I've never heard of Sunus in so many words. He kind of went, I understand he was a good player, but I've got no experience of him. I've not really watched him and I don't know him as a pundit. It was described as disrespectful for. But for me, in reality, it wasn't disrespectful. It was it was just moving on. It was just kind of glossing over it a little bit. I think I think before we let Steve go into this as a Liverpool fan, <laughs> I think from uh, from a very neutral point of view, because I'm actually really enjoying this. Um, <laughs> the first thing is, I can't believe that United did that. On, actually mentioned him on the podcast, knowing United as a club. Yeah. They're the most shut down of clubs in terms of media and letting any lines get out. So fair play that they released that podcast. It's given us all something to, to kind of mull over. Um, I, I think if you went and asked any... How old's Pogba? 23? Mm. 24? Um, he's, he's older than that now, isn't he? I thought oh, he was like 26. Okay, go and ask any 26-year-old who didn't grow up in England um, what Graham Sooness won in his career. And with all respect to Graeme Souness, who was incredibly successful, they might not know. And to say it's disrespectful, it's probably just A, unknowing, and B, oh, come on, who really cares? They'd probably be more likely to associate him with being a average manager at Newcastle United. Yeah, if you're of a younger generation, or not a Liverpool fan, or not a, a Blackburn fan, or et cetera, et cetera. If, if you don't know who he is, you don't know who he is. Um, what I think we all really want to see after this is all over is these YouTubers have all been doing these these boxing matches. I think the big the best way now to raise loads of money for NHS charities is put them two in a boxing ring <laughs> and let them just have it out because this is <laughs> this has rumbled on for years or what seems like years now. So just let them have it out or soon S can make the best U turn. And get one of Pogba's haircuts. Ah, perfect. The thing is that Sunus doesn't... I mean, Sunus cares about this. Pogba doesn't really care about it. It is my kind of indication. That's the way I'm reading the situation. Are you going to jump to Graham Sunus' defence here, Steve? Um, first of all, I'm going to say that if it did get in the boxing ring, I still fancy Sunus now. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> right. to do it because He'd, he'd bite that, and scratch. And... He, is a, he is a legitimate savage uh, as a player, you know, I mean, like say, I, I was born in the very late 70s and, you know, I watched that, that 80s Liverpool team as a, as a young kid, you know, especially when they go around Europe and, and winning trophies. And some of the stories about Graham Souness, I would not trifle with that guy, even after a triple bypass, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but he's, uh, the thing is with, with Souness, it's, what we've got to remember here is that Souness is employed by Sky. And, and he's given a platform to, to say that type of thing. And he's probably encouraged by his employers to say that type of thing. Because, you know, they've all got the, the things, haven't they? You know, Jamie Carragher is is uh, is quite funny, I think, as a pundit. But he does speak some sense. Gary Neville is known for being level-headed and not wrong about a, a lot of stuff when he's when he's doing it. And, um, you know, Graeme Souness has his Paul Pogba uh, situation, which there's a lot of memes being created and doing the rounds on social media. And Roy Keane's got his where he's just blunt and says what everyone's thinking. So they've all got their own USBs, if you like. And I think that he that's where this is, has come from. And I think, is, is Sunes right to, to criticise some of the performances that Pogba's put in in a Man United shirt over the years for the, the amount of money that they paid for him? I think it was 90 million quid, wasn't it, that they paid to bring him back? Mm. He's probably within his rights to say those things. And that, but mm. it has got, it's like a snowball, it's gathered 
quite a bit of momentum and um, it's got a bit out of hand now and I just think that the, the whole thing needs to, to go away uh, before it gets a bit worse and um, we've had a lot of fun out of it and I think that you know Pogba's responded in, in a correct manner where he's, he's been quite you know what's the word quite chilled out about it hasn't yeah. he and he's, he's, he's said something that on the podcast that is probably reflects where he is on the whole situation and, and Sunes is probably driven by his employers and his own kind of need for airtime and validity to you know with the viewers on sky and i think um we've had some fun with it but i'm i'm, I'm getting a bit bored of it now it's got it's got it's, it's getting to the point where it, it could get a bit weird there was a bit of a strange flex from Sunis though there's one more bit of fun we can have out of this because he said when he heard this criticism or criticism i'm using that word like pogba said something negative about him he didn't but when he heard pogba's response he said I'm going to refer to the oldest phrase in football, put your medals on the table, or words to that effect, which is a really weird thing to say, because, yeah, Graham Sooners has got 15 winners' medals, but Pogba's got 11. He's much younger. He's only halfway through his career, and Pogba's got a World Cup winners' medal in his collection, whilst Sooners has got, like, a second division yeah, title he... and a few league cups. Wow. Oh, wow. Big <laughs> stuff. He's got some good stuff as well. No, no, no. No, he's got some good stuff as well, but he's counting those amongst his 15. So it's a weird thing to do, isn't it, to kind of, have that I mean, flex. to a World Cup winner who scored in a World Cup final, you you can't use the go on get your medals out, no. there, mate. It's it's a bit silly because it's he. I reckon he said it soonest and then went, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> it's one of those where he said it because someone's wound him up and he he knows straight away, oh this is going to come back, isn't it? Yeah. It again, again this is Sky giving soonest the airtime and making him look silly for my. For, for mm. me, they're making him look silly because it's getting ridiculous amounts of views, and they they can't get views in any other way at the minute because there's nothing happening. So what better thing to do than oh let's spark up Sunes versus Pogba round four hundred and twelve. So let's just take let's say it to Sunes right. We're going to stop doing these Skype calls. We're going to give you a break. <laughs> let just get him out of the way because it it's damaging him now. It and. He, it's fu- as funny as it is, and as much as I find Sunes very irritating, it's getting. It almost looks a bit silly. Like he had his it's AirPods a meme, in ups- Yeah, he had his. He's, he had his AirPods in upside down, and the whole thing is just like, come on, you're making you're making a, an older man look a little silly. bit silly now. I just feel I think the whole the whole shame of this, and and no one's taken into consideration. Poor Jamie Redknapp's feelings, you know, because he sat around <laughs> Jamie Carragher, Graham Souness, Roy Keane, and uh, Gary Neville. Uh, these guys who have a boatload of honours between them, and he's got very little in his career. <laughs> and and nobody actually cares about him because he hasn't got, like you said, one of those niches. He needs to start hating a player, or really liking a player like uh, Harry Redknapp with Lampard. Yeah, let's do that. Career advice for Jamie Redknapp. We'll move on to some transfer uh, rumours that are doing the rounds at the moment. There's a fair bit of printing paper, I guess you would say, about transfer rumours at the moment. There's a lot of stuff that seems to be being made up. So we'll try and separate some of the wheat from the chaff here. We're going to start off with Manchester United, who are apparently watching Atletico Madrid midfielder Sol Niguez, I think it's pronounced. They are saying they're going to pay £70 million for him. Um, apparently he's got a £132 million buyout clause in his contract as well, but they're hoping by paying him a shed load of wages, they're going to offer him around £200,000 a week. They're going to be able to tempt him to Manchester. Not a player I'm massively familiar 
with this guy. He's he's very 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 good. Is he kind of a Matic replacement? Maybe uh, he's better, more creative. But I think your uh, your opening line with this might just be printing paper. It might might just be that. I'm hoping it is because he's an extremely good footballer, um, and he's one that City were linked with uh, last summer. Um, okay. Very... Well, we'll crack on from that one then. If that one's <laughs> if it's just chat. Yeah. All right. It's a yeah. no. Manchester City striker Sergio Aguero. That, that one is a no. <laughs> uh, yeah. His former side, Independiente, are increasing their efforts, is the quote, to try and bring him back from uh, Manchester City. He's 31 years old now. It, there's no doubt his time at City is coming to an end, though, Adam, at some point. Yeah, he's, he's got a season, season and a half left. But Aguero is the kind of striker who could play for another five years and still score goals a bit like uh, David Villa did when... He moved on and then moved on and moved on and moved on. Aguero will score goals wherever he goes, but he's not He's not at this point, having got 16 Premier League goals this season in 22 games, he's not going to jack it in and go back to a, an emotional move to Independiente. Mm. Not yet. I think he could well end up back there, just not yet. Do you think there'll be a almost a crossover period between him and whoever his replacement is? Because it felt like that was the idea with Jesus. At some point, he was going to come in and pick up the mantle. That's not quite happened. So do you think City at some point will identify the next Aguero and there'll be this kind of like handing th- over this crossover period? I think it'd be next next summer. It won't be this summer, especially with everything going on. It wouldn't have been anyway. He's got a contract to the end of 2021. And what City like to do um, with basically the spine of the team over the last 10 years. Company, Yaya, uh, Silver, Hart, Hart being a very different one, Zabaleta, is they'll let them run the contracts down rather than get them a, a move that's going to make yeah. us 10 million quid. Instead of doing that, we'll do what they're doing with Silver. Silver Silver's contract runs out in two months, um, which is extremely sad, uh, but he's going to go on a free, probably go to America for a year and then back to Las Palmas where he started his career and have that emotional return. I think very similar things will happen with Aguero. I think he'll probably have one more move after his City contract runs out, unless City want him for another year, but I don't think they will. They're, they're quite, we're quite fair with players who are getting on where we'll let them, a bit like Zabaleta, go and have a, another decent move for a couple of years. I think you'll probably see Aguero go to America or similar and then he'll end up in Argentina he's not going there straight away though it would be an exceptional waste with all respect to the Argentinian league if he if he ends up there next year a player at the other end of his career is Ajax midfielder Donny van der Beek who he's 22 now he's been linked with Real Madrid he's been linked with Manchester United uh, according to Vutboil International, this has been reported in the Metro as well, his agent says he's being linked with a number of other clubs. It feels like this transfer has been coming for a while, so it's no surprise that a load of clubs are interested in what is one of Europe's most talented youngsters. Where do you think he is going to end up? I think he might end up in the Premier League. I think someone might take a bit of a punt on him and, and bring him to the Premier League. He's a very, very talented player. I think that he will cost a chunk of money, so I think that rules out quite a lot of clubs buying him. Mm. And um, proven Champions League pedigree, you know, with, with that Ajax team, that young Ajax team, and a Dutch, a regular Dutch international, scores goals, very creative, decent p- pace on him. And, and he's, a, he's got a good worth ethic on the pitch as well, so I just think that he'll be, he'll be probably 50, 60 million quid of someone's hard-earned money, and, and he'll make an impact wherever he goes. I think I'd really like to see him in the Premier League and um, hopefully not at Man City. 
feels like this is the year he's going to move on, Adam, doesn't it? It feels like at this stage in his development, it's time to take that step. Yeah, it's like with all the Ajax team from last year. He He's kind of the one that's left over now with Ziyech going to Chelsea and all that sort of uh, other business that went on last summer with De Ligt and De Jong and basically the spine got ripped out of that whole team. Uh, he seems the one that is next up. I think he might, I think Steve's right, I think he might end up in the Prem. Um, I don't know where that will be. I hope it's not United. Um, but he, I don't know. He, he looks a good footballer. I can't say I've seen him too much apart from the Champions League run last year where he was very impressive. Um, it depends. Depends if Real Madrid, who they're going to go after, because Madrid need a big summer as well. Uh, whenever summer may arrive, so who knows? But he's probably on the move, yeah. And finally, we'll wrap up with one for you, Steve. Uh, Zinedine Zidane apparently fancies Sadio Mane, who's 28 now. He's obviously had a fantastic couple of seasons for Liverpool. So if he's off to Real Madrid and Liverpool want to replace him with Mbappe from PSG. It's an interesting story. And Mane has been linked with Real Madrid quite a few times over the last couple of months. You'd be loath to break up that front three at Liverpool. But at the same time, if you're going to get rid of Mane, Mbappe's not a bad replacement. Yeah, I think that it's a tough one because I think the the money it would require to sign Sadio Mane from Liverpool. Because when Liverpool do sell these players like your Fernando Torres, your Luis Suarez, your more recently Felipe Coutinho... They get massive money for these players. Uh, you know, Coutinho was 145 million. We got off Barcelona for him. You'd think that that Sadio Mane, I think, would be 170, 180 to get him something like that. You know, b- based on the impact that he has on that team and the success he's had and the moment, even at 28. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're right, Steve. That he's he's in that uh, upper bracket of this probably 10, the top 10 players in the world. So if you want him. If you if you really want him, you're gonna to have to fork out a ridiculous amount. But it's one of those deals where you'd be really sad to see the back of Mane, but then you'd go you'd look at uh, Mbappe and say, "Yep, thank you very much. That'll do." I think it's interesting with with Mbappe because you know this has been a link that's been around for a long time now. We know Mbappe to Liverpool, and I think I just can't see that that happening. I would be gobsmacked if it if it ever did happen. I think. He's going to cost at least two hundred million to buy him, and yes, if you sold Mane for one seventy, one eighty, you know that obviously is a big chunk of that money uh, for you. Well, certainly ninety percent of it. And um, the big problem with Mbappe for me is is the wages. I think it's not necessarily the transfer fee. I think that um, he's he's going to want massive money. Certainly, probably more than double what any Liverpool player is on at the moment, because I think our top earners is about two fifty something like that a week. Um, so Liverpool would have to shatter their wage structure, and also I think there's a there's a question of financial fair play around doing a deal like that for a club the size of Liverpool. Um, so there's all kinds of moving parts, and then I'm hearing that obviously Liverpool have a new kit deal coming in, the the biggest kit deal in Premier League history in summer, and that Nike might be you know open to funding some of that deal and and paying mm. some of Mbappe's wages because he is a Nike athlete. So, who knows, but I, I would be very surprised if Sadio Mane left Liverpool. He's really happy at the club. He's winning the top He's winning the top honours in the game at the club as well. And and he's adored by the fans. Um, so and, and he earns really good money. So, I'd be really surprised if that happened. But never say never. At the same time, the fo- football is all about regeneration. And kind of at some point, Liverpool will need to 
start again and regenerate and refresh that playing squad. And if an offer comes in for the numbers you're talking, 170 odd million quid for Mane, that is the perfect opportunity to do that. Yeah, I think so. But it just doesn't feel like the timing's right. You know, we just talked about Sergio Aguero then and he's he will inevitably end up back in Argentina. But he'll go when the timing's right on it. And it feels like that mm. with, with Mane, Salah uh, and Firmino, it doesn't feel like the time's right for it. When Coutinho yeah. left, he'd been linked with Barcelona for 12 months. Uh, same with Luis Suarez as well. And, and Torres was, was let down by Hicks and Gillette at Liverpool and he was lied to because the investment in players that was promised never happened. So he really wanted to kick on. And um, it doesn't feel like that, that this is at that stage yet where there's real concrete you know, or foundations to it. Um, maybe next year, I don't know, but I think with the coronavirus situation of finances and football, I'd be surprised if anyone's spending 170, 180 million pounds on a player mm. come August, September. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right in that regard as well. And you can tell when, you, c- you can almost tell when someone's going to go unless it's the biggest shock around. Um, it's a bit like with Sane at City, the rumours won't go away. His agent's doing that thing that agents do where you kind of know the player's going to go and then it's time to cut ties. But with Mane, you haven't really seen any of it. And I think the other thing is with that front three, you kind of have a cycle for more than just two seasons. That that front three gets three, four years and then, yeah, one of them will go, but then you replace them. The thing with Mbappe is as well, whoever ends up signing Mbappe, if they do from PSG, it has won. You may, you may as well just say that. They, they have <laughs> just won it all because he's still so young and he's just the most incredible footballer um he's someone i'd love to see at city but again the wages are the issue uh premier league clubs aren't quite well they're not quite like uh, la liga clubs in terms of wages and we know he's going to demand at least 300 grand 350 and nobody pays that in the premier league really for anyone so that might put put a lot of clubs off but he is one of those generational players, so. Right, that is it for Football Social Daily for today. Adam, Steve, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Before we go and remaining with Liverpool, we just need to say that our thoughts are with the whole of the football club today, and in particular the family and friends of the men, women and children who lost their lives at Hillsborough 31 years ago today. That's 96 football fans that will never be forgotten, and that's on behalf of everyone at Football Social Daily. And we'll see you next time for the next podcast. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Slow-cooked, succulent meats delivered fast to your door. Search for us via Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>